The views in this do not necessarily reflect the views of WKNC, Student Media, or NCSU. You're listening to Eye on the Triangle on WKNC 88.1. Good afternoon, Raleigh, and welcome to this week's Eye on the Triangle. It's August 31st, and the time is 4.05, and on behalf of the team here at WKNC, I would like to thank you for tuning in. I am Nick Weaver. And I'm Marissa Jordan. Coming up, we've got Will Mayo's Taste of the Triangle. He'll be talking to the head chef of the Hangover Grill, along with a few other people associated with the restaurant. and uh, a frequent patron of the restaurant. That sounds really interesting. That place is um, it's a quite interesting little joint. Um, so stay tuned also to hear uh, more. And after that, we've got Nick's review of the EP 3 by Sheer Mag. And what an EP it was. Like the first two, uh, you'll get to find out how I feel about this one coming up in a bit. Uh, after that, we'll have Jake Winner's review of The Hudsucker Proxy, a film by the Coen brothers, famous for uh, Fargo and a couple of other films that are really popular. Followed by This Week in History, read by yours truly. All right, let's go ahead and jump right into another episode of Taste of the Triangle. You're listening to 88.1 WKNC, and this is Taste of the Triangle with your host, Will Mayo. Taste of the Triangle seeks to inform you of the rich food culture in Raleigh and the surrounding area. For this segment, I interviewed the proprietor and head chef of Hangover Grill, as well as a loyal customer and his sous chef. Just west of Dan Allen Drive on Hillsborough Street, Hangover Grill was established this year as a high-quality burger joint with an affordable price point. Fresh ingredients and a passionate staff make Hangover Grill another tasty slice of the Triangle's culinary pie. Let's go to the interviews. My first interview is with the confident head chef, Rob Sam. My name is Rob, and I'm uh, the chef here at Hangover Grill. The chef boldly claims that his burgers are some of the best. Simply put, if you're a burger guy, this is the spot you want to be at. We have the freshest fries in town, and uh, one of the best burgers in town, too. I know that's a strong statement, but you have to come in and try it. One customer did come in and try it, and has come back almost every single day. Hear what Abraham has to say about the Hangover Burger. It's a new place. I wanted to try the food, but honestly, the way they make the food, it's like everything fresh. They cook it the way you want it, and I never tried the burger like that before. The chef says his secret lies in caring about the product that he puts on your plate. We don't go the powder route, you know, powdered onions, powdered garlic. We don't do that. We use the fresh vegetables, and we mince them here, and we use the very, very high-quality spices. You know, sometimes it's the touch. We put our heart in our food, and it shows. Cooking with your heart is not a luxury afforded your typical fry cook. Hear what sous chef Jose Martinez has to say on the subject. With the corporate places, it's usually about measurements and keeping checklists, and a lot of the food just gets overlooked in terms of quality. As long as it's acceptable to a cheat, it gets served. Martinez says that the Hangover Grill is not so much about checking off a checklist, but about putting out a product only if it's good enough to serve their own families. 
Here at the Hangover Grill, it's way different. If the meat doesn't smell good or if it's just not something we would serve our family and those we love, it's not something we give to our customers. Without our customers, we're nothing. So we're always keeping their best interests in mind in terms of flavor and getting them the best food. Before introducing myself to set up interviews, I visited the grill as a customer and got the Hangover Burger. Deliciously complex flavors, perfect fat content, this burger had it all. Not to mention the fries were cooked to a Goldilocks crispiness. Needless to say, I was surprised to learn the chef had no formal training. His winning recipes are composed by trial and error. I just put my mind into it. I explored a few recipes here and there, and I put it to the test, and I experimented on some of my friends, and uh, then eventually on my customers, and the feedback was amazing. And I have folks who come in here in the morning and come here in the evening to eat a burger. I love burgers, but I don't love them that much. <laughs> but hey, I guess they're that good. To see for yourself if these burgers are just that good, you can visit Hangover Grill from Sunday to Wednesday for lunch and dinner and Thursday through Saturday for lunch, dinner, and late night. The Grill plans to host a special burger day towards the end of the month. I'll try to keep you guys up to date on that, but until then, stay hungry and keep it locked to 88.1 WKNC. This has been Taste of the Triangle. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome. I'm Nick Weaver of Eye on the Triangle, and you are listening to the Modest Mouth Review. Let's just jump right into it today. None of the usual build-up shenanigans, just a good old-fashioned music review. Today's album is Three by Sheermag. It's a four-song EP, and as you probably would have guessed, it's their third one. The first question on the chopping block, as usual, is who are Sheermag? For those of you familiar with this show, and by extension my segment specifically, you may recall that in December of 2015, Sheer Mag earned an honorable mention on my top five albums of 2015 list. Or maybe they were number five. I can't really remember. I think I might have actually left them out because they've only been putting out EPs. Whatever the case, I'm very fond of this group's work. Oh, shoot. Now I think of it, I actually reviewed two, their previous EP on the show. Well, there you go. I happen to enjoy that EP immensely, as well as their first EP. So that's my experience with the band. Their background is short and sweet. They're a gritty lo-fi band from Philly. That's honestly it. I can tell you that they're most likely not fans of streaming services because outside of likely illegal uploads on YouTube and the downloads available on their Bandcamp, none of Sheermag's work is posted on any streaming site. Not Spotify, or as I affectionately refer to it, Spoofy. Not Google Play. I'm going to make a pretty solid guess and say not Tidal and definitely not Spotify. Did I mention they're not on Spotify? Because they are not on Spotify. And it irks me. They are on Pandora, but really, what good is that? Anyways, as I said, I really like this band's past two EPs. One and two were such solid pieces of lo-fi rock. They were riff-driven and catchy, but they also carried the punch of personal, subtle lyrics. They were as intelligent in concept as they were impressive in execution. Which now begs the question, how is three in comparison? Well, it's not great. 3 takes the solid, grungy style of 1 and 2 and changes absolutely nothing. The signature layer of distortion is applied to both vocals and guitar, making the band sound as if they're coming through a megaphone or a broken speaker. 
For those of you who aren't super into lo-fi, believe me, that is a good thing. It's a dope style for those of us who can appreciate it. The guitars emulate that classic sound of 80s power chord, riff-driven rock, while the songs as a whole felt modern and personal. This structure and charm is what made 1 and 2 so great. They were cohesive, creative, and most of all, incredibly catchy. Surely, sticking to this ideal with 3 would pay off, right? Well, not quite. It's hard to place, but the charm has essentially worn thin. I want to like this EP so badly, but, well, I just can't. This EP feels like when you listen to that one song that you love to death 30 times in a row and it just starts to become noise. You can't remember why you love it anymore, the feeling just isn't there. 3 to me is like a phoned in mess of an album. It's as if someone heard Sheer Mag, perfectly replicated their sound, but forgot to replicate the emotion or personality of the album. It's hollow, there's just nothing underneath. And to add insult to injury, as much as I want to respect that Sheer Mag has kept to its roots two EPs later, I just can't. It's just more of the same. I can understand not changing the formula for two, but on your third EP, you should be trying to evolve your sound by now. There's been no advancement on three, no addition. If anything, there's been a step back in value. Like the band realized their niche and just rushed to fill the radio silence as quickly as possible without any interest in the music itself. Furthermore, the songs on three all sound like bits and pieces of songs from the other EPs were just Frankenstein together randomly assembled from the ideas of one and two. It's frustrating to say the least. And as much as I want to love this album, I don't know if I can even stand to like it. Picking my favorite song off of this EP is like picking which song deters me the least. Nobody's Baby and Worth the Tears both feature some enjoyable qualities, such as a dope riff and mildly clever lyrics respectively, but even then I feel like it's a four-way tie. I'm honestly running out of ways to say this album is just a homogenous pile of lukewarm songs. And I hate that I have to hate this EP, because I want so badly for it to be good. I want to be able to listen in for the eighth time and finally hear that underlying wit that will bring me around to it, but I don't think I will. It is with great sadness that I must give Sheer Mags 3 a final rating of 0 on a scale of negative 2 to 7. It's not just average, it's subpar. I've got my fingers crossed that this EP was just a fluke. I really, really hope it was just a fluke, because I love this band and I want nothing more than for their next project to be fantastic but I'm not terribly optimistic at this point. Once again, the album was Three by Sheer Mag. Usually I'd try to find some way to recommend it to someone, but instead I'd just say listen to one and two. That's all for today. I've been Nick, though I'm also known as Linz, Flesk, Bloatstar, Meerkat, or just that dude who can't dress himself properly in public. I'm less fond of that last one. As always, you can send in a review request by emailing publicaffairs at wknc.org or by sending a tweet to at WKNC underscore EOT. Thanks again for listening in, and I'll speak to you all again next time.
Hello, this is Jake Winters for Eye on the Triangle. This is Snowverated, and this week I will be taking a look at the film The Hudsucker Proxy. The Hudsucker Proxy was written by the Coen brothers, along with their frequent collaborator Sam Raimi. I have looked at another film by the Coen brothers before, which you may remember as being Hail Caesar. Hail Caesar definitely isn't a far cry away from this film, but I think that The Hudsucker Proxy was ever so slightly more enjoyable. After watching this movie, I realized a lot about the way in which Hail Caesar was meant to be viewed. Both movies don't take the usual route of analyzing characters' lives and personalities, but instead use the characters as a tool in order to draw a caricature of an industry or idea. This idea is frankly extremely refreshing, as usually even in movies that show the corruption of an industry, characters' lives become the main focus. This movie plays more like a fictional dramatization of how the author views the real world. And viewing it from this point really makes the movie hilarious. But if you don't know how to take it from that perspective, it becomes pretty boring. You look for development in the character where there is none, and miss the world changing around him. And when I say that there is no character development, I really do mean none. The characters are not the focus of this movie, and that is apparent. This is also what threw me off from it at first, and really the same goes for Hail Caesar. Hail Caesar definitely has a more interesting characters, and honestly, that makes it a better movie in a way. This movie may even have convinced me to change my score on Hail Caesar, which I'm usually very opposed to doing. Because the movie is made by the Coen brothers, going in it is very hard for me not to have expectations. I expect the filming to be great and I expect the characters to feel alive and full of emotion. Of course, even though the characters didn't develop extremely well throughout the story, the Coen brothers' habit of working with well-known actors played its role in making even just the performances entertaining. It's important to note when talking about directors and actors that really every actor's performance has something to do with the director that they're working with. So the Coen brothers get credit here as well. The main actor, Tim Robbins, is probably best known for his role in The Shawshank Redemption. He plays Andy Dufresne. I hadn't seen him in anything else beside The Shawshank Redemption, and I was wondering throughout the whole movie who it was. Well, as in The Shawshank Redemption, his performance has hardly any flaws. The only thing that could really be said is that he overacted at some parts and made it feel a little cheesy, but that is who his character was. An actor trying to fit a role he was hardly prepared for. It took me quite a while after watching this movie to come to have some kind of appreciation for it. I wondered for a long time why the Coen brothers would make a movie like this. They make such great movies, and a few among their films just seemed like duds to me. Why weren't these movies good? Why would they waste time making a film if they didn't see it developing into something amazing like many of their other films? I thought maybe everyone just has a bad day, but it seems to me directors and writers like the Coen brothers would realize their movie was bad and not release it before they lose $28 million on a single film, which the Hudsucker Proxy did with some reports of the losses being even higher. What all this leads me to believe is that they weren't making the movie for the general public, and they were just making a different kind of movie that many directors would never make. This really is what the Coen brothers do best. They don't seem to care what audiences want and instead make art that appeals to themselves. This is truly commendable and I'm glad they do this. They have opened my eyes to a world of film possibilities I didn't realize were there. I'm sure there are many movies like this that I haven't seen before and I will look at a lot of films in a different light having seen this movie. Especially Hail Caesar, as it's so similar in style to the Hudsucker Proxy. I really did not enjoy the Hudsucker Proxy while I watched it. It was boring, and I found it hard to make it through the movie without talking about how much I wanted it to end. 
I stuck it out to the credits, though, and I'm glad I did. The film takes a twist at the end, and it is a spectacular one, giving the movie its real meaning and putting a period on the thesis that brought this movie to life. I come out of seeing this movie with a new perspective on film, and I thank the Cronin brothers for that. I'm going to give this movie a 3 out of 5. I can see how the majority of people did not like this film. A lot goes on, but not really much happens. I'm not too sure how to explain that sentence, but after watching, I would love to know if anyone knows what I mean. The movie had fantastic filming, writing, and acting, and is deceptively bland on the surface. Once realizing what could almost be called an extended metaphor is present throughout the film, it is far more enjoyable. It could possibly be one of the few films that is better on a second viewing. The Hudsucker Proxy is available from multiple retailers and renters online. If you want to let me know that you liked my review or have any comments or suggestions for films you'd like to hear my take on, let us know at publicaffairs at wknc.org. Or if you want to call in, feel free to at 919-515-2400 during the show and we can chat. Thanks for listening to this week's edition of Eye on the Triangle and Snowverated. I'm Jake Winters and I hope you enjoy the rest of your evening. You're listening to Eye on the Triangle on WKNC FM Raleigh. The time is 4.23, and I'm Marissa Jordan. And I'm Nick Weaver. For the weather, today the high is 92 and the low is 71 with mostly sunny skies. Thursday will be sunny with a high of 95 and a low of 71. Friday is mostly sunny with a high of 94 and a low of 71. Perfect for the day party at Legends Nightclub with WKNC, WXYC, and Wolf Tracks Music Group. Saturday will once again be mostly sunny and a high of 92 and a low of 71. And finally, Sunday will be rainy with a high of 88 and a low of 66. Thank you, God. I love the rain. It is way too hot out here. And good thing uh, hopscotch will already be concluded by that time. Mm -hmm. Good weather for hopscotch. Anyway, um, on this day in history for our history buffs, interesting fact that um, Nick and I did not believe at first, actually. No, absolutely not. I did not believe that in 1776, the world's <laughs> first submarine attacked something. So, yes, in the Revolutionary War, the first submarine attack happened. Not World War One. No, not World War One. Not World War Two. <laughs> in fact, it was 100 years before that, at least. And it was called the Turtle. Yep, it's true facts. You can look it up. Um, in 1813, the United States was first nicknamed Uncle Sam, and in 1864, during the Civil War, Atlanta was evacuated. In 1936, the famous singer Buddy Holly was born. Rest in peace, American Pie will forever be an anthem. <laughs> and in 1996, Tupac Shakur is shot. Rest in peace, Tupac Shakur. Uh, I don't know any Tupac Shakur songs, but they'll always be anthems. <laughs> yes. Um... As always, if you heard anything you liked, you hated, or anything that made you think, let us know at publicaffairs at wknc.org. And be sure to check out our blog at wknc-eot.tumblr.com. You, you can, can catch it. Oh, <laughs> I'll take this one. Thank you. Sorry. You can catch another episode of Eye on the Triangle next week here on WKNC. I'd like to thank our contributor, Jake Winters, Ricky Dows, Sam Scarborough, and Will Mayo. For Eye on the Triangle, I'm Nick Weaver. And I'm Marissa Jordan, wishing you all a great Wednesday afternoon.